Hello and welcome to another edition of Pose, which is Points of Self-Examination for Christians. Now, in today's edition, I want to talk about um, choosing a spouse and marriage. And I want to um, share some revelation that God has given me on the subject, especially when it comes to choosing a spouse. Now, my lesson or my my um, my um, discussion will be coming from different Bible stories. One of which is the story of Nebuchadnezzar, and the other the story of Saul and of David. And so basically, this is not going to be a long podcast. It's just going to be something maybe maybe 10, 15 minutes or less. Okay, but the thing is, for a very long time in my own personal experience, I was confused as to whether this person who had come into my life was really sent by God. And I was really deeply confused for many years because this person turned out to be such a terrible person. It turned out to be such, yeah, or or, let me not say he was a terrible person. He turned out to be very badly behaved. And, but the circumstances under which we met seemed like it was God who orchestrated it. And so for many years, I was, I was, um, I was confused as to whether it was really God who brought this person into my life or I was, you know, maybe he was brought in by somebody else. But today I have so much more clarity on what really happened. And I know that many of you might be going through something similar in your lives where you're wondering if this is the right person for me or, you know, or how did I get myself into this situation and all of that. So the clarity that I have now is this, that whatever you ask God for, he's willing and capable of giving you. And that is why people say, usually say, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. So this brings me back now to the story of of Saul in the Bible. Now King Saul, and not um, and not um, Saul who turned into Paul. Now Saul, King Saul, how he even became anointed, which is which which still draws from from um, the the first podcast I made about chasing the anointing. I haven't completed that podcast yet. I only made one segment, but I promise I'll go back and finish it now. But I want us to look into the story of Saul. I'm not going to read the Bible portion. You can go in and, you know, read it for yourself in 1 Samuel. Now, Saul was looking for his father's cattle. cattle. The cattle had gone missing for a number of days and he'd searched for it everywhere. And he went with somebody. He was going with, I think, a servant. And while they were searching for the cattle, somebody said to him, 
well, why don't you go to the prophet and and inquire of him where this cattle is so that you don't just spend time looking for the cattle and then your father ends up becoming more worried about you than about the cattle that was missing. And he thought it was a brilliant idea. And so he acceded to it. Now, but the thing is, before he even approached the the prophet, God had received the complaint of Israel. Now, Israel was tired of, you know, just relying on God and saying, hey, Lord, um, give me your word or speak to us through the prophets or lead us and tell us where, um, when to go out and when to come in and all of that. No, we don't want that anymore. What we want now is a king. I mean, look, all the nations all around us, they all have their own kings. So why can't we have our own king? So please, now we're asking, give us a king. And the Lord had spoken to Samuel and said, okay, now these people say they want a king. Please, can you tell them what the consequences will be? And it is that the king will confiscate their property. He will enslave their children. He will maltreat them. He will just generally be very mean to them. And Samuel told to the people that, this is, this is the consequence of what you're asking for. This is the consequence of what you're asking for. And they said, oh, well, that's fine. We, we, we like it. We accept it. No problem. I mean, all the other nations have their kings. I mean, look at all the pageantry around the kings and look at all of the glory and the beauty and all of that. Please, we want a king. And so Samuel who thought that by preaching to them and telling them what the consequences of, you know, the wrong choice was, that they would change their mind, was distraught. I mean, these guys are being hard-headed. They don't want to listen. So Samuel was really upset. And he went back to the Lord and said, look, I am very angry <laughs> at, at, you know, these people and what they're doing. And the Lord said, no, you don't need to be upset. You don't need to be upset. You don't need to be upset. It is I whom they've rejected and not you, Samuel. So what you're going to do now is that you're going to anoint them a king. And, you know, so that, that, that coincides with the time when, you know, Saul was looking for his father's castle, cattle and he wondered, or, or let me say, he, yeah, in a way he wandered into Samuel's home tent, you know, wherever it is that he was dwelling. And, you know, the Lord had told Samuel that when the guy comes, anoint him to be their king. And the Bible describes Saul to be, you know, this tall, well, let me just borrow the word dark, and handsome guy, very good looking, regal in his composure, well-spoken, handsome, you know, very... Hmm, good looking guy. And Samuel was supposed to anoint him. And when the guy came, he, though he was looking for his father's cat, cattle, he ended up being anointed as king of Israel. Now note that the Lord was not happy to give them the king that they were asking for. Samuel was not also happy to anoint him king, but he got the anointing anyway. So 
this kind of, you know, still goes back to the first podcast, you know, which is about chasing the anointing. You're not called for the job. You are not equipped for the job. You have not been justified to get the job, but you have the anointing. It doesn't mean that God is happy with you or that, you know, he, he, he definitely has, you know, an assignment for you or something. It just means that he, he, you, you probably are just, um, what would I call, uh, call it? You're probably just, um, going to be a setup for a, a whole lot of people in their lives. You're probably going to be a, a problem to people when you, when you have the anointing and you don't have the calling for the assignments that you're going for. Or you have been entrusted, you have been entrusted with an office, but you had no prior communication with God about that position that you're feeling. You had no prior communication with God about that position that you're feeling. He did not train you. You did not have any communication with him. You didn't talk with him. You didn't commune with him. You didn't speak with him. You didn't have personal experiences that that proved that you were fit to handle that office. But you have now been anointed and you have been placed in that office. Hmm. That's a very dangerous position to be. That's a very dangerous and one and one young man who who was able to handle himself well in such a position was was the young man called Solomon. He suddenly found himself becoming king over Israel and he realized that he didn't have what it took to govern the people. And so he humbled himself and asked God. But now, of course, Saul does not have any predecessor to to um, draw lessons from he doesn't have any doesn't have any body to look up to you know among the israel you know you know among his kinsmen who has been in that position before okay of course maybe somebody like um moses you know and all of that but that, that was far removed from his time and moses wasn't even a king he was a prophet and a priest so now um, Saul has now been anointed to be king over Israel. But it does not mean that Saul was actually God's choice. Saul was a choice of the people. But he had to be anointed to be king. So which now brings me to, over to where this converges with the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was... Um, 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 who was a king of the Babylonian Empire, which was the very first um, world empire that ruled over all the nations of the world. He was, you know, the very first, and which is signified by the head of gold, which Daniel saw in the dream. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, having gotten into this position as king of the world, he was, he had become proud and conceited and, you know, you know, thinking very highly of himself and thinking that he achieved all of this he expanded his palace and you know and you know made a show of himself and all of that and then he got a dream about a huge tree that was cut down and and placed a ring placed around the stump and when 
he consulted Daniel. Daniel told him that, look, I would pray that this is not your portion, but then this is what the key, this is what the dream means that whoever um, that that um, had that dream that the person will become you know insane will be cut off from the kingdom of men he will roam around in the bushes eating grass and you know just he'll just become wild but then the stump being um, banded banded means that he will be able to come back to the palace and that exactly happened to Nebuchadnezzar he was thrust into he was cast out of his palace when he lost his mind but the Lord preserved the throne for him and then after he had spent seven years in the wild and came back to his senses this is what he concluded that the Lord God rules over all the kingdoms of the earth and then he gives it to whomever he chooses. He gives it to whomever he chooses. And so your being able to be in that position as a king does not really mean that that you earned it or that you worked for it or that you yeah, or that you basically earned it. No, that's that, that's not what it means. It means that God has given it to you, whether or not you have a relationship with him, whether or not you are qualified for it. He gives it to you. And so, how does this tie back to Saul? Now, it ties back to Saul because it shows that even though um, Saul was not God's personal choice for a king over Israel, it shows still that the people's desire to have a king over them made God give them somebody who matched their own desire and he turned out to be not so great for them in the end. I'm sorry, I think this podcast is going to go <laughs> a little above 15 minutes, but I'll try to keep it short still anyway. So thank you for listening. So Saul was not God's choice, but he got anointed anyway. And then he became a, a setup, I would say a setup for, for, the, for the children of Israel. And then later on, God anointed a king for himself, who was David, a man after his own heart. And if you look at the characteristics of the man after God's own heart, he had been trained in the secret. He had been trained in the secret. He knew the secret things of God. He knew how to relate with God. He had gone after the lion. He had gone after the bear. He had gone after all of these creatures. And so when he, he stood before Goliath, when he stood before Goliath, he was able to bring down the giant because of what training he had received in private by fellowshipping with God. So there was a clear difference between who Saul was, even though I won't say he was a bad person. He just was not, he, he just was not trained by God. He wasn't, he wasn't called by God for that position because when you are called, then he will equip you. He will justify you. He will train you. He will give you everything that you need to to do his assignment. So now this, all of this story now brings me back to the choice of a life partner. What do you desire? What is your desire? So in my personal experience, I recall that I had 
although I was, I was, uh, let me say, use the word frolicking. I was frolicking with the new age. I didn't know it was a new age, but I was frolicking with so many ideas that, you know, that promote um, um, law of attraction, positive thinking, meditation, and all of that, and vision boarding, and all sorts of things. At the time, I met my ex, right? So, around the time I was going to meet him, I had been praying. I had seriously been praying, and I was having a lot of what is called synchronicity, where... Well, in my own case, it was about timing. All the numbers in my vicinity would always match. And I would always look at the time. I would always look at um, maybe my, my phone screen at that time. And all the figures. Maybe I would have 23, exactly 23 messages in my BBM and 12 messages in my, in my, um, in my um, messages SMS box. At exactly one twelve, I mean thirteen twelve p.m. You know that kind of synchronicity where the timing matched with with other um, numerical um, happenings around me, and this went on for a very long time. And so I had a very strong conviction within me that God was going to answer my prayer for a spouse at that time, and. On the day we were going to meet, I knew within my spirit that it was going to be that day. And prior to that, of course, I had written it down a list of everything that I thought would work out or would make um, a relationship great or a marriage successful and all of that. All the qualities, all the values I thought, you know, were were good for a person and of course these values are good these things are good but there's a limitation to it because whatever and whoever you're writing it for is still a human person and so while i would say that out of all of the things that i wrote this person on some level matched all of those criteria right he matched all of those criteria and even the criteria that i wasn't looking for he matched those criteria, but there were certain things that he lacked, which ruined everything. There were certain things that he lacked, which ruined everything. So let's say he was, he was generous, but he was uncouth with his mouth. And so even though he was generous and he had given you a gift, then the words he would speak afterwards Maybe about somebody else. Maybe about a situation. Maybe about um, about something that was happening around you. Would make you totally feel, feel, you know, like, I don't think this relationship is worth it. I don't want to be in this situation. Why is this person talking like this? Why does he think this way? Why does he behave this way? You know, so that, you know, those those deficiencies, which I wasn't able to capture in my list, totally ruined, ruined, you know, the experience of having this wonderful person in my life. And the long and short of it is, turns out that this person was narcissistic. And if we go over the, 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 the qualities, the qualities that 
that God had warned Israel about the leader that we're looking for. I would, if I go over it, I'm sure that I will be able to pick out one or two traits of narcissism in the character that they were asking for. And so I had, you know, gone over. So, sorry, I'm mumbling, but in this relationship, I, I began to go over it. What did I do wrong? And I, I, and I think I need to break up with this person. I need to end this relationship. But then when I went over how much synchronicity I had experienced, how much, you know, I had been accurate as at the timing of the meeting, how I had known that God was going to answer the prayers and how, you know, I was convinced that this was the right time that, you know, God would intervene and all of that. When I thought about that, I was really confused. I was so very confused that how can I get something that is completely imperfect from God? How can I get something that is so so um difficult from god how can how can god give me but then at the same time if it wasn't god then who was it was it the devil no the devil cannot have answered my prayers it, was, it could only have, so i was i'm mumbling but then you can just imagine how confused and and totally exhausted i was because i would think about it day in day out i would, I would think who am I going to speak? Who would understand? Who would understand what I've been through? Who? I mean, I didn't have any, um, like any pastor or somebody, but I, I would just, you know, like do a mental check. Is there anywhere I can go for counseling? Is there any um, deeply spiritual Christian counselor that I could speak to who would understand what I have been through? Would Would they be able to, you know, pinpoint? And if if they said it is God that put us together does it mean that i have to stay in that relationship with him does it mean i have to endure all of those things and in quotes try to make it work hmm. so for several months and several years and you know several seasons i was i was i was confused yes i knew it was god but or then was it god anyhow so for today, like I said, I have so much more clarity and I know now that based on those Bible stories of, of, um, of Saul and of Nebuchadnezzar, that yes, indeed God had answered my prayers. He had given me everything I'd written on those lists. And then the things which I had not been able to capture on my list were the things that ruined the relationship and for a very long time i stopped i stopped dating for a while and i also completely gave up list writing because i didn't know what else to write i had written just about every good thing that a person would um would um would think was something good i'd exhausted my own idea of what is good I'd written, oh, they, they should be kind, they should be generous, they should be respectful, should be this, should be that, and that, and that. Just about everything you would think or you would define as good. But here's where I went wrong. 
what I defined as good is not what God defines as good. God has his own definition of what good is. And that can be found in the book of Matthew 7 verse 11, where Jesus was talking about giving gifts. That if we as as, um, sinners and as wicked and evil people know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall the Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Now, but in the book of Luke, I think chapter 13, 13, I think thereabouts, the the word good things is, is replaced with the Holy Spirit. The word good things is replaced with the Holy Spirit. So if, if you switch or if you read from the book of Luke, it, it says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father who is in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so you can see that I I, I came to the understanding that God equates goodness or good things with the Holy Spirit. So, and the Bible also says that all good gifts and perfect presents come from the father of celestial lights. So, now I understand better that what I was asking for was based upon my understanding of what was good. But God, what God has for me is based on his own knowledge of what is good. So, while I thought that, you know, being all of these, you know, all of these um, qualities... All of these qualities, being kind, being generous, being forgiving, being, all of these are superficial or what would I say are manifestations of goodness. But I didn't, I was asking for the manifestations, but I wasn't asking for the power behind the manifestations, if you understand what I mean. So while I was asking for, for somebody to be, for somebody to be, to be forgiving I wasn't asking for the thing which enables a person to be forgiving. So, for instance, if I meet a guy whom I whom I I I have asked that he's a forgiving person, this person can be a pretender. He can be a pretender, and he acts in certain ways that makes me believe that he's forgiving because I am not looking for the power i am looking for the outcome i don't know if you understand i well i hope that you understand what i'm talking about so i'm looking for the manifestation i'm looking for the fruits but i'm not looking for the roots i'm looking for the fruits and i'm not looking for the roots and which brings me back to second timothy chapter three verse five thereabout was it three or five three verse five i'm sorry i'm not really good with you know quoting exact portions of scripture but i usually remember what it talks about and in that in that bible portion in second timothy it talks it it mentions 19 characters 19 evil characters of of um of a worldly person 19 evil characters and you know he says that in the last days perilous time shall come and perilous times will come 
not just out of the blues, not just because, you know, you know, terrible things happen, but because men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, you know, wicked, you know, unloving, unnatural, not having natural affection, all of these things. But the very last one of them is having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof simply means that even though this person has all the manifestations of godliness and goodness, it is not powered by the spirit of God. It is powered by their own sense of right and wrong. It is powered by their own abilities. It is, and therefore it is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. So you can have a person who is going to church and doing all of these good things, but it is not powered. If it is not powered by the spirit of God, then it is not sustainable. So that was my mistake. I was looking for the manifestations. I was looking for the fruits. I was looking for, for the outward. Um, I was looking for the expressions. Let me put it that way. I was looking for the expressions of goodness. But I did not know that there was something that powered goodness. And so it, it, it also brings me back to the case of the children of Israel. So while you're thinking you're going to get a king who is valiant, who is chivalrous, who has, um, you know, who, 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 is, who has a commanding presence, who can speak, who is um, magnanimous and all of that. Yes, those are expressions of, those are expressions of, of um, goodness, of, of good kingship. But there is a power. There is something that powers good kingship, that keeps it on autopilot, that keeps it running, that keeps it running. So I, I would liken that to alternating and and direct current in in um, in electricity. Now, direct current comes from a battery source, while alternating current comes from a from a, a coil, like a. Uh, a copper coil or something that had that that is um that has been magnetized once it is magnetized the current begins to flow through it and this current can be endless 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 but the direct current has an expiry date because once the battery runs out then you get no more power so having this kind of person in your life Yes, for a while, they're going to show, you know, all of the good signs and be there. But they have an expiry date. They have certain things that will trigger them to snap out of that niceness. They have certain things that will trigger them to become something else that you'd never imagined. Because they have their limits. Yes, they might be good people. I'm not saying that, you know, they are evil or anything like that. No, but... If it is if if the goodness is powered by their own moral sense or their 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 ideas of right and wrong or you know just by their human effort, yes, it is good, but it has an expiry date, it has a limit. There's just how far it can go. One day it will be tired, 
one day it will change one day it will it will it will ebb and you'll be left wondering is this the person i married is this a, is this the man I, or the woman that i'm in a relationship with so now i get to understand that what i was asking for was just the expressions of goodness and powered by the flesh powered by human ability meanwhile what god has in store for me is based on his own definition of what good is and good things to god means the holy spirit and so if i had asked god for a man who was filled with the spirit of god then i would have gotten a good husband because I asked for a man who had all of these qualities, all of these expressions of goodness, but not knowing that, that those expressions had to be powered by a spirit of God, then I was, I was basically just asking for something that was going to harm me, which is exactly what happened in the case of Saul and David. Saul was just a good man. He was just a good man. He, I mean, he was good looking on the outside and he strived to do good on the inside. He was not a bad or disobedient child. He was going to help his father look for something and he wasn't wayward. He was going to ask the prophet. I mean, he was a good man, but his goodness was powered by his own human, his own human senses of right and wrong. It was not powered by the spirit of God. Now, but David, on the other hand, his goodness was powered by the Spirit of God. And that was why God anointed him and said, now I am going to anoint myself a king. You have asked for your own king and I've anointed him for you and I've given you the king. But now I am going to anoint myself a king. And so, Though they had gotten Saul, Saul only lasted for a season. But the kingdom of David would, the throne of David, now not the kingdom, now the throne of David would, would, you know, would never be lost in Israel. And it would continue even unto Christ who would sit on the throne of his father, David. And so if you have gotten a Saul in your life because you asked for qualities that were expressions of goodness without knowing that the goodness was powered by spirit and which is the spirit of God, then you have gotten yourself into a situation, a relationship that is short-lived by nature. By nature, it is just short-lived because you will not be able to continue with that relationship after a while. You'll just find yourself wanting out at some point. So maybe you've gotten yourself into that kind of marriage or you've gotten yourself into that kind of relationship and you're totally done with, you know, or, or, or confused with, you know, what is going on. I want you to know today that God's knowledge or God's, yes, God's knowledge of, of what is right for you is completely different from what you have thought was right all along and you know this is what the word of god says it says that there's a way that seemeth right unto man but the end thereof is destruction the end there are modern translations have completely ruined that bible portion by saying that the 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 the, the end thereof are parts of 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 
of something I, I can't quite remember and I don't care to remember because it's a perversion of of that original translation but it says that there's a path that seemeth right unto man but the end thereof is destruction so now you have to put your desires on a scale put it on a scale now maybe because of this of this podcast and I hope that you go back to the Bible to research for yourself Go back and I encourage you to go back and research for yourself. I want you to read Matthew 7, 11, and please, by all means, use Google, type it in and, and cross-reference it with the passage in Luke, which I think is Luke 13, 11 or so 13. I know it's, it's about Luke 13 or Luke 11, but I know that it is there. And I, I need you to, to compare the two Bible portions. But what I'm driving at is that God's definition of what is good is completely different from what we term to be good. So I I need you to put your desires on a scale. This man or this woman that you desire is, I know you will not ask for what is evil, but is their goodness, is the goodness This goodness that you desire in this person, is it powered by the Spirit of God? Are you aware that it should be powered by the Spirit of God? When you put your desire on a scale, when you put all that you have asked for on a scale, does it match up with with what God knows to be good? I hope you understand what I mean. Does it match up? Now, if... On, on your own side, all you're asking for are the manifestations of goodness, which will be powered by, by, by deeds of the flesh. And on the other side, God's, um, God's definition of good, of a good spouse, is a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and whose goodness is powered by the Spirit of God, whose expressions of goodness are powered by the Spirit of God and not the deeds of the flesh. Then, you have, you'll be out of balance. Of course, God's side is going to weigh more than yours because you're not able to sustain, you will not be able to sustain that kind of relationship. But this is a point of self-examination. Get back into your closet. Get back into your prayer closet. Get back into, you know, uh, uh, um, or just get away from everybody else, get away from distraction, and then really think, does my concept of good match up with God's concept of good? If you have found yourself in a relationship where a person, or even you yourself, all the goodness that you're doing is powered by just your own um, abilities, by your own abilities, then you realize that even though you say you're a Christian or you say you're a good person, you find that there are just certain things that are beyond you and that is not allowing the relationship to work and will be the death of that relationship. So I think I'm overflogging the horse, but I certainly hope that you understand what I'm talking about. So this brings me to what... You should be looking out for in a spouse. What is the best thing to be looking out for in a spouse? 
because you can have a list like I did of, I had a list of about 35 values and qualities to be looking for. So, I mean, that was as exhaustive as I could get. But now the one thing that God has showed me, it, it completely, um, what would I say? It is the one thing that God has showed me that guarantees me these other 35. It is the one thing that God has showed me, which is his Holy Spirit that guarantees the other 35 things which I had listed. And so I'm challenging and encouraging you if you're single, which is the best position to be in when we're having this, when you're listening to, to this podcast, then please seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the Spirit of God to be the one, to be the power that, that um, to be the, the generator that powers the goodness that you're looking for. Let me say that again. Seek the Holy Spirit to be the generator that powers the goodness in the person that you're looking for. So basically in his back, in the person's back office, in the in the man or that woman's back office, what is what is generating ideas? What is giving them ideas? What is what is um giving them new thoughts? What is giving them thoughts? How are how are they generating thoughts? How are they generating thoughts? Let the thing that is generating the thoughts that are in their mind, in their mind, in, in, in their minds, be the spirit of God. And I know that Bible has a whole different, you know, um, huge teaching about the mind. And one of the most important things it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it is only the Holy Spirit that can renew your mind. And so if this person has a spirit of God within him, all of the good things which you desire will, will, will be permanent. They will last because even Jesus says that he's looking for people who will bear fruits that will last. And so your marriage will last and you'll be guaranteed that if you call on God to correct this person, he will do it and the person will listen. And you generally will have a more enjoyable marriage. Because on the other hand, if the person's um, thinking is not, uh, the person's mind is not fed, is not renewed, is not, the person is not generating thoughts based on the spirit of God or from the spirit of God, then you have a very um, tough time trying to control them. You'll be trying to control them. And why are you trying to control them? You're trying to control them so that they will be good. So that they'll be doing good things. So that they'll be good for you. They'll be good for the relationship. But on the other hand, when they are already, um, they're already, will I say, regulated by the Spirit of God, then all of that difficult work of controlling a person has been done for you already. And God will not give them bad thoughts. He will only give them good thoughts towards you because God's thoughts towards you are of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I hope that by this podcast, I have been able to, to give you a fresh perspective and points of self-examination 
that will guide you towards making a better choice in your next relationship outing. And I sincerely hope that the Spirit of God will guide you in your choice of a mate and that and that you'll be truly happy in the relationship that God will give to you. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to you know coming back to you with more stuff. I have so much more that the Lord has taught me and I will continue to share with you. P- please feel free to to send me an email at um King at gmail.com and we can have you know we can talk more if there's anything you, you want me to specifically address then you know I'll get into it and of course with your confidentiality in place. So thank you so much once again for listening. God bless you. I'll see you some other time. Bye.